Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. Angie, we don't get to these places. Paul didn't get to these, this place. I mean, he was, Paul was Saul, arrogant, self-righteous, um, educated above others, right? Like Had a he, corner in the market on truth. And he, knew- yes. Oh, he was, he, he was by the world's ex, um, esteem, arrived. And by God's esteem, one of the lowliest characters to the point where when he's in the cell, this is the full transformation of Saul to Paul. This series, we're looking at 2 Timothy. It's Paul's last letter to Timothy, and there are only four chapters, but they pack a punch. I am so glad you've joined us. Today, we're talking about 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 18, and we have the study guide author with us, which I'm so excited about. She is the Regional Advancement Officer for Northwestern Media, and she is Rosie Browson. Welcome. Hi. I'm so glad to be here. This is so exciting. I remember when you wrote this and you were, because because the study guide has 400 words, because our studies go, we do the study guides that you can get through Faith Radio at MyFaithRadio.com. And then those studies also go to the U version, which means that we can only have 400 words. So you had to, you had all this excitement and you had to express it in 400 words. I know it was so hard and it was picking and choosing mm-hmm. which, you know, which emphasis you wanted to take out of the context. Right. But also I just think it, it's such a testimony. You think you write something and the more you study scripture, the more it opens up to you. Mm-hmm. So you think you go ahead and you write something and you've got it done and you're complete. But the Lord kept on coming, having me come back to this particular section of Second Timothy because to me it's it's more I mean we can just read it. Yeah, for, before we get too far, I want you to I want I have Oh been you're having so me already because it. yeah. it's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So go ahead and read the section okay. and then we'll dig in and talk about it. Okay. Second Timothy four, nine through eighteen. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him, because he strongly opposes our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them, but the Lord stood at my side and he gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed to all the Gentiles might hear of it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. I mean, it's so interesting to read this knowing that that Paul ends up losing his life. Right. But that, that word, that the evil attack, I think what he's talking about is not a physical attack. It's Mm-mm. a spiritual attack. It's a spiritual attack. And God, even though his body was killed, like his soul was delivered safely into God's kingdom. I, okay, so you just opened it up exactly with what God was telling me. The end is talking about the spiritual, but these first two paragraphs is so much about the physical. Mm. And so when I was reading this, I was just talking to God about the fluidity of what I see here and the dynamic power of relationship. Um, 
And I think we have to go right to the beginning because all these people are named, right? And some of them we're really familiar with. Of course, we know Luke. He has been with Paul and a faithful servant, and he's still with him. He's the last one standing, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But prior to us learning about Luke, we hear of um, Demas, and Paul mentions Demas a couple other times in his epistles, in his letters. And so he's talking about he's deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. I think we have to pause right there because you think, oh, no, like he's deserted him. He's left the faith. And I, if you just take it at that grain, then you miss the whole message. Those people sitting with Paul could easily be martyred themselves. So Paul going out and asking Timothy to come to him and bring Mark. Mark and Timothy are saying, yes, I too might be martyred. And Luke is staying there, and he knows he too can be martyred. I mean, Peter left Jesus, did he not? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. So the significance of him calling in these people and these people saying yes. So I think if we just say Demas lost his faith and never returned, I don't think we can take that from this context. I think what he is saying is that he couldn't stand to the point of martyrdom at this moment. Right. Okay, Mm -hmm. because this is the part where it gets so crazy good. Because he also asked to bring Mark. Now, if you go back to Acts 15.38, Mark was the person that Paul said, don't bring him to Barnabas, because Barnabas and and Paul were fighting about Mark, because Mark had deserted him. Mm. That's 10 years earlier. So in 10 years, this relationship has been repaired. Barnabas standing for the character of Mark obviously proved fruitful. Mm Mm-hmm. So the message for us, not only from Paul's side, but also for from Barnabas's side, is to invest in people. Like we make mistakes. We don't always stand to the, to the strength that we are capable of. We fall short of the glory of God. And so to me, to have Mark's name and Demas's name in the same paragraph, I went, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, for all the times I might not have stood, there might be a day 10 years from now that you will forgive me and I will, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Like we can grow in our faith. This paragraph gives us permission to grow in our faith mm. between Demas and Mark. Now, I don't know that Demas did stand, but I feel like it opens the door for a connection. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what happened to Demas no. after. No, we have I no mean, idea. He, his story could be similar to that of Mark where he right. wrestles through and, real, and, and regrets not staying Exactly. And, and realizes, I mean, because that, that is no small thing to come to the point <laughs> where nope. you're willing. I mean, I think it's what God calls us to. Right. But it's no small thing to come to a point where you will give up your life for your faith. Right. And doesn't I mean, it- we're not talking about things aren't friendly and people won't talk to you. We're talking about death, like losing your life because of it. Exactly. And the only way that we get there, and Paul continues to say, that's why these two paragraphs are so fluid. It was by God's strength that Paul himself stood, Mm. right? So I assume just by Paul's character, or I think we can make the assumption that he's probably praying in for DMS to be strong in the future. I mean, we don't know, so we are making a leap there. But just by the consistency of Paul's character, I think he was probably praying for him. Mm to grow in maturity and in um, in relationship with God. And isn't that a message for ourselves? Sometimes the fire's too hot and we're just not mature enough in our faith to be, to be able to withstand 
the pressures of the world. And the only answer to that, Angie, is to go back and go, okay, well, then get me strong, Lord. Right. And I, yes, I think it's mature in our faith, but I think it's also an awareness Mm -hmm. of the power of God that's available to us that comes through the maturity. So I don't think it's about necessarily us being mature. Exactly. It's about what we, what, as we grow in our faith, we're more aware, hopefully, of the power that's available to us right. and 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 more obedient to I'm just preaching to myself to um, <laughs> to stay within the fire and Preach to, it to and me to, and to do the hard thing yeah yeah to be it's, obedient it's crazy it's crazy and so I love this paragraph because I think in scripture every time somebody is named there is a reason why they are there mm-hmm. right and so just to go back and and look now we don't know a ton about um Crescens that I found, um, Titus we know about, Luke we know about, um, Tychicus to Ephesus. That's just fun to say. <laughs> it is very fun to say, and I stumbled on it several times. Um, we don't know a ton about him, though he is mentioned. And but and Paul sends him, yeah, which is interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if you take, if you go back, just taking this paragraph and putting it where Paul is, he's in a cold, dark dungeon, right? He is still in charge of the ministry. Right. It's just he's still sending people out. It's very relationships are very important. The church is very important. He's doing the best he can within the confines of where he is. And God is not limited by a prison cell. Mm -mm. And this whole paragraph of him just being so mindful. And are we what I read after that was, am I that mindful for the people in my influence? You know, that are in my sphere of influence. Am I mindful for where they are, where I'm sending them? What message I'm giving them? Am I tracking for prayer um, benefit where they might be stumbling and asking God to intercede? Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, I just thought regardless of where I am in my life, this just spoke so strongly to me that I may be under great distress, but there's still people in my influence that I can bring to the throne room and to send. Right. So yep. whenever we feel limited, we are not. Well, and I appreciate how Paul is not focused on himself or his situation. Yeah. It's about what God's at, it's about what God is doing, mm-hmm. not about what's happening to Paul. Right. Which again, I think is a is a place that you get to through a process of mm-hmm. um walking closer to the fire. Yeah. Um I was thinking as I was driving into work today about how I worked for my church, so I saw how the sausage was made. Mm-hmm. And when and my husband and I had decided that if it became to a point where I could not work there, if 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 I could no if we could no longer worship there because I was working there, then I would stop working there. Mm-hmm. So I stopped working there mm-hmm. so that we could continue to worship there. But it was a stretch and it was very hard. And it, it was I was very focused on what I wanted Mm. and I wasn't focused on what God wanted. And I was thinking about how I'm really grateful because of the variety of reasons we stayed and through staying when it was hard, I had to grow. Like Mm -hmm. I had to, I could either have become bitter Mm -hmm. or I had to continue to die to self, which is what we're called to do. And I was thinking about how I'm, over and it's been six years. Over the last six years, getting to the point where it's it's not about 
Angie. Mm-hmm. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's about what is God doing here? And God has me for a reason. How can I serve what the Lord is doing here? And coming from, man, coming from that perspective, always, no matter where we are, that it's right. not about us. Mm-hmm. It's about what the Lord is doing. And I think Paul is giving such a beautiful example to that. He is in a dungeon, but it's he's not worried about himself. He's worried about the message of the gospel mm-hmm. going out and continuing and passing the baton to Timothy. Right. And I think it's so easy. I think we have a lot of Christian trite comments, die to self. <laughs> okay, so you know that I just came through a season of dying to self, mm-hmm. right? And it isn't easy, and it's not pretty, and it can be quite ugly because what you are actually dying to is pride. Right. Oh, I'm, yep, you know, I mean, so hubris is actually what the Lord <laughs> says to me, you know, like that's the, and that's excessive pride yeah. for me. <laughs> okay. Well, there we go. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's just, Angie, we don't get to these places. Paul didn't get to these, this place. I mean, he was, Paul was Saul, arrogant, self-righteous, um, educated above others, right? Like had a he, corner in the market on truth. And he, knew- yes. Oh, he was, he, he was by the world's um, esteem, arrived. And by God's esteem, one of the lowliest characters to the point where when he's in the cell, this is the full transformation of Saul to Paul. Mm. Because now it's not about him. It's about the message. It's about all these people in relationship to him. And it becomes about him. So this is the fluidity of these two verses is that we can say it's all about you, Jesus, but the human factor of it is yet we still need comfort for ourselves. And God has people walking alongside us. You have been that person for me, walking alongside us in our trials so that as we are dying to self, there's still comfort because Luke stayed with him. Mm-hmm. And he is calling out to, to Timothy now in this next paragraph. Um, he is calling out to Timothy saying, well, it's actually in the first par- paragraph, come to me quickly. And now it's not just because Paul needs comfort. This is so this whole this whole section is so he paradoxical. He needs a cloak too. <laughs> I know I can't wait to talk about the cloak. He's he's also there's also a service in here. He has intention with Timothy, but Timothy has been his apprentice. Timothy is, you know, he has said I love you my brother in scripture, right? My or son. My son, mm-hmm. right? And so there's also that love connection. And that's what I think is there's so much tension is, yes, we die to self. Yes, we say whatever you want, God. And yes, we still have physical need and physical desire for um, relationship and for comfort of our own being. And that is so okay. Mm-hmm. And I actually mean, charged because that allows intimacy, mm-hmm. right? We're charged to say, come with me in this really ugly spot that I'm in. Right. I mean, Jesus called a group of people together. Yeah to train them, and then sent them out by twos. I mean, I think there's a reason that he did that, that Mm -hmm. he's not sending them out alone, that they're going in relationship with someone else. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This next paragraph. Okay, wait, let's go back to um, verse 13. When you come, and this is to Timothy, bring the cloak that I have left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. So when I first read that, I went, oh, 
it's so cold in there. (laughs) (laughs) Paul needs his cloak. And I think in in the study, I think I wrote it that way, but God would not let that leave me. I kept on coming back to it long after the study was done. And I kept on looking at it and I was thinking, wait a minute, Luke's there with him. The church has not fallen completely apart. He could have asked for somebody else's cloak. Like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking there's probably cloaks around you. Now, maybe this was a special cloak. Maybe someone had sewn it for him. Those things can all be true, too. But the cloak in Scripture is also representative of the mantle. The cover, the clo- Like the cloak of righteousness that we have on us because right. of Christ. Yes, mm-hmm. and Elijah and Elisha. Elijah gave Elisha his cloak. And so you come to this and Peter, okay, now it's not like I can just drive to Roseville and in 20 minutes Mm -hmm. I can go pick up some things that I left at your house, right? Like he is asking Timothy, excuse me, he is asking Timothy to go out of his way and pick up these items. And one of them is the cloak. Now, I am completely speculating, but I'm thinking as Timothy is carrying this cloak, it represents Paul. This is Paul's cloak. This, I'm sure Timothy has seen Paul in this cloak, and he is carrying it now to his master, to the person, his teacher, Mm -hmm. that has taught him everything. And don't you think, now scripture doesn't tell us this, but don't you think there might be a transfer of that cloak? Because it's clear through scripture, Paul is telling Timothy, now you are charged to go out, especially in 2 Timothy. Could Timothy be then receiving that cloak? as well from Paul back in return. The cloak is important. It's not just about comfort. It's about the mantle that we carry under God and that that mantle goes from generation to generation. We can pass that mantle on and the duties then that we um, were so obedient to then go to somebody else to carry. So, I mean, completely speculation, Mm -hmm. I understand, but the fact that the Holy Spirit... But I think think that... I, I think... Acknowledging that is important. Yeah. And I think having imagination mm-hmm. when you're reading the scripture and staying within the bounds of scripture mm-hmm. is good because I, that is what inspires our awe and our wonder yes. in the Lord. Well, and there is so much connection. You cannot read the Old Testament with, I mean, you can't read the New Testament without the leaning heavily on the Old Testament because there's there's just so much connection between the two. And then and then he asked for also his scrolls and especially the parchments. Now if we go to this is where I get I'm such a geek for scripture. This is where I absolutely love it. If we go to Second Peter three um fifteen through sixteen, Peter mentions if I can just read this and reg- um and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our brother, beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, also as also in all of his letters. So I'm just wondering if he needed, it, knowing that his death was coming, that he is recognizing that all of his letters are going out. So bring me my parchments. Maybe I need to pull them together and solidify this message. Wouldn't the teacher do that? When a teacher take all their curriculum and say, I have to pass this on, bring me my things so I can put this final stamp on them. And is that um, we think of, of God being so good, right? And Paul has, um, and this is where it connects to what Paul is saying at the end of this passage where but the Lord has stood by my side and given me strength. So through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. 
is God is Paul recognizing that God is going to use these parchments, his teachings, and continue. The sacrifice of his life is the continuation of the gospel, and now we have it, you know, 2,000-some years later. Mm-hmm. And that Paul might have had that revelation, like, bring me all these things. This doesn't end here with my life. God's alive. I will be dead, but God is alive. And he's going to use this Holy Scripture-inspired epistles to teach the church long past my death. I mean, could that be the importance of these three things that he is asking for? He's a continual learner. Perhaps the cloak is coming to pass on the mantle of evangelism onto the next generation. And the part, collecting the, par, the parcels, the um, parchments, his teachings, his epistles, so that we can have them. Our well, life doesn't end with our life because mm-hmm. God's living through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that like a mic drop to you? It is. It was such a mic drop to me. I, I couldn't stand it, and I wish I could have written all that. But, you know, it's so funny because God gives us wisdom and understanding and knowledge in as as we under, we have to take baby steps in it. So as I was writing it, I saw none of that until it was after that was all done. And I'm like, hmm, the Holy Spirit's not done with me yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we only have a couple minutes left. So okay. what else do you want to talk about in this second paragraph? I think the um I think the the part that is really obvious and but we don't necessarily always do it is is he's talking about Alexander the metal worker this this man has offended him in some way he's choosing to let god take vengeance on that but the action of clearing his own soul of saying i take no offense i i forgive these people i mean st- we have a lot of examples of this happening. Stephen, at his his last words were, but Lord, forgive them, Jesus. But Lord, forgive them. They know not what they've done. If we don't pull that out of our own relationship with people, if we don't pull the significance out of that, we've really missed an important relationship step with God, that there are people that will offend us. Mm-hmm. I don't see Paul saying, forgive Alexander, though. Well, <laughs> the Lord's well, going to deal with him. The Lord will deal but, with but him. He, but he is but he's he's passing a, it on. He's letting he's go. passing mm-hmm. it on and yeah. letting it go. Yep. So like when we hold on to unforgiveness, we're not passing it on to God. We're not really right. trusting God. But he is trusting God. Mm-hmm. And also given a warning. Right. Like, you know, there are careful. people. Careful, right? Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but to everybody else who's who's offended him over the years, all the people who has beaten him, mm-hmm. you know, he's really letting that go. And so to live that way every day, I mean, there, that's a conscious effort because Paul had time to think. I may walk out of this room, Angie. You may walk out of this room, and we may be taken up to heaven. We don't know. And so to, to live that way, to live forgiven, to live um, with the vengeance assigned, given to God, not to us every moment— I think that's a, a step that God would like in the now. To have a short short account. Yep. To absolutely. live in a short account. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Well, that's good, Rosie. I know that's there's so lot. much. We could have talked. I mean, we could have spent a whole nother session on the second paragraph. So good. Well, so and good. I appreciate that he, you know, at my defense, no one came, but everyone deserted me. Be, may it not be held against him. So he does say it there. Yeah. Um, But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be proclaimed to all the Gentiles and all the Gentiles might hear it. I mean, we're sitting here today as Gentiles because because God used Paul and Paul allowed himself to be used to continue to spread the message. Mm -hmm. That's so good. It's so good. I love Paul. 
Thank you so much, Rosie. This was so good. I'm so glad that I was able to give you this opportunity to share with us everything that you learned oh, after. I'm, I'm, I know. It's the after. It kind of feels like behind the scenes. Yep. Thank you for joining us for this conversation about 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 18. If you want to find out more about Rosie Browsen, you can check out the show notes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And we'll see you next time for 2 Timothy 4, 19 through 22. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com. Being the new person can feel intimidating, but we want you to know you belong, and we're so glad that you're here. We're excited that God is working in your life and that you're joining us in the mission field to tell the whole world about Jesus. So, introduce yourself, and we'll send you a special free gift to encourage you with information about who we are. Request your free welcome pack today at MyFaithRadio.com. That's MyFaithRadio.com.